Section sixteen of Pamela or Virtue Rewarded. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Pamela or Virtue Rewarded by Samuel Richardson. Section sixteen. Thursday morning. Somebody rapped at our chamber door this morning, soon after it was light. Mrs. Jukes asked who it was. My master said, open the door mrs jukes oh said i for god's sake mrs jukes don't indeed said she but i must then said i and clung about her let me slip on my clothes first but he rapped again and she broke from me and i was frightened out of my wits and folded myself in the bedclothes he entered and said what pamela so fearful after what passed yesterday between us oh sir sir said i i fear my prayers have wanted their wished effect pray good sir consider he sat down on the bedside and interrupted me no need of your foolish fears i shall say but a word or two and go away after you went upstairs said he i had an invitation to a ball which is to be this night at stamford on occasion of a wedding and i am going to call on sir simon and his lady and daughters for the bride is a relation of theirs so i shall not be at home till saturday i come therefore to caution you mrs jukes before pamela that she may not wonder at being closer confined than for these three or four days past that nobody sees her nor delivers any letter to her in that space for a person has been seen lurking about and inquiring after her and i have been well informed that either mrs jervis or mr longman has written a letter with a design of having it conveyed to her and said he you must know pamela that i have ordered mr longman to give up his accounts and have dismissed jonathan and mrs jervis since i have been here for their behaviour has been intolerable and they have made such a breach between my sister davers and me as we shall never perhaps make up now pamela i shall take it kindly in you if you will confine yourself to your chamber pretty much for the time i am absent and not give mrs jukes cause of trouble or uneasiness and the rather as you know she acts by my orders alas sir said i i fear all these good people have suffered for my sake why said he i believe so too and there was never a girl of your innocence that set a large family in such an uproar surely but let that pass you know both of you my mind and in part the reason of it i shall only say that i have had such a letter from my sister as i could not have expected and pamela said he neither you nor i have reason to thank her as you shall know perhaps at my return i go in my coach mrs jukes because i take lady darnford and mrs peter's niece and one of lady darnford's daughters along with me and sir simon and his other daughter go in his chariot so let all the gates be fastened and don't take any airing in either of the chariots nor let anybody go to the gate without you mrs jukes i'll be sure said she to obey your honour i will give mrs jukes no trouble sir said i and will keep pretty much in my chamber and not stir so much as into the garden without her to show you i will obey in everything i can but i began to fear ay said he more plots and contrivances don't you but i'll assure you you never had less reason and i tell you the truth for i am really going to stamford this time and upon the occasion i tell you and so pamela give me your hand and one kiss and then i am gone i durst not refuse and said god bless you sir wherever you go but i am sorry for what you tell me about your servants he and mrs jukes had a little talk without the door and i heard her say you may depend sir upon my care and vigilance he went in his coach as he said he should and very richly dressed which looks as if what he said was likely but really i have been used to so many tricks and plots and surprises that i know not what to think 
but I mourn for poor Mrs. Jervis. So here is Parson Williams, here is poor naughty John, here is good Mrs. Jervis, and Mr. Longman, and Mr. Jonathan, turned away from me. Mr. Longman is rich, indeed, and so need the less matter it, but I know it will grieve him, and for poor Mr. Jonathan I am sure it will cut that good servant to the heart. Alas for me, what mischiefs I am the occasion of! Or rather, my master, whose actions towards me have made so many of my kind friends forfeit his favour for my sake. I am very sad about these things. If he really loved me, methinks he should not be so angry that his servants loved me too. I know not what to think. FRIDAY NIGHT I have removed my papers from under the rose-bush, for I saw the gardener begin to dig near that spot, and I was afraid he would find them. Mrs. Jukes and I were looking yesterday through the iron gate that fronts the elms, and a gypsy-like body made up to us, and said, "'If, madame, you will give me some broken victuals, I will tell both of you your fortunes.' I said, "'Let us hear our fortunes, Mrs. Jukes.' She said, "'I don't like these sorts of people, but we will hear what she'll say to us, however.' "'I shan't fetch you any victuals, woman, but I will give you some pence,' said she. "'But Nan, coming out, she said, "'Fetch some bread and some of the cold meat, and you shall have your fortune told, Nan.' "'This, you'll think, like some of my other matters, a very trifling thing to write about. "'But mark the discovery of a dreadful plot which I have made by it. "'Oh, bless me! What can I think of this naughty, this very naughty gentleman? "'Now I will hate him most heartily. Thus it was.' Mrs. Jukes had no suspicion of the woman, the iron gate being locked, and she on the outside, and we on the inside, and so put her hand through. She said, muttering over a parcel of cramped words, "'Why, madame, you will marry soon, I can tell you.' At that she seemed pleased, and said, "'I am glad to hear that,' and shook her fat sides with laughing. The woman looked most earnestly at me, all the time, and as if she had meaning. Then it came into my head, from my master's caution, that possibly this woman might be employed to try to get a letter into my hands, and I was resolved to watch all her motions. So Mrs. Jukes said, "'What sort of man shall I have, pray?' "'Why,' said she, "'a man younger than yourself, and a very good husband he'll prove.' "'I am glad of that,' said she, and laughed again. "'Come, madame, let us hear your fortune.' The woman came to me and took my hand. "'Oh,' said she, "'I cannot tell your fortune. Your hand is so white and fine I cannot see the lines.' But, said she, and stooping, pulled up a little tuft of grass, I have a way for that, and so rubbed my hand with the mulled part of the tuft. Now, said she, I can see the lines. Mrs. Jukes was very watchful of all her ways, and took the tuft and looked upon it, lest anything should be in that. And then the woman said, Here is the line of Jupiter crossing the line of life, and Mars. Odd, my pretty mistress, said she, you had best take care of yourself, for you are hard beset, I'll assure you. You will never be married, I can see, and will die of your first child. "'Out upon thee, woman,' said I. "'Better thou hast never come here,' said Mrs. Jukes, whispering. "'I don't like this. It looks like a cheat. Pray, Mrs. Pamela, go in this moment.' "'So I will,' said I, for I have enough of fortune-telling. And in I went. The woman wanted sadly to tell me more, which made Mrs. Jukes threaten her, suspecting still the more, and away the woman went, having told Nan her fortune, and she would be drowned.' This thing ran strongly in all our heads, and we went, after an hour, to see if the woman was lurking about, and took Mr. Colbrand for our guard. Looking through the iron gate, he spied a man sauntering about the middle of the walk, which filled Mrs. Jukes with still more suspicions, and she said, "'Mr. Colbrand, you and I will walk towards this fellow and see what he saunters there for. And, Nan, do you and Madame stay at the gate?' So they opened the iron gate and walked towards the man and guessing the woman, if employed, must mean something by the tuft of grass, I cast my eye that way whence she pulled it, and saw more grass seemingly pulled up. Then I doubted not something was there for me, 
and I walked to it, and standing over it, said to Nan, "'That's a pretty sort of wild flower that grows yonder, near the elm, the fifth from us on the left. Pray pull it for me.' Said she, "'It is a common weed.' "'Well,' said I, "'but pull it for me. There are sometimes beautiful colours in a weed.' While she went on, I stooped, and pulled up a good handful of the grass, and in it a bit of paper which I put instantly in my bosom, and dropped the grass, and my heart went pit-a-pat at the odd adventure. Said I, "'Let's go in, Mrs. Anne.' no said she we must stay till mrs jukes comes i was all impatience to read this paper and when colbrand and she returned i went in said she certainly there is some reason for my master's caution i can make nothing of this sauntering fellow but to be sure there was some roguery in the gipsy well said i if there was she lost her aim you see ay very true said she but that was owing to my watchfulness and you was very good to go away when i spoke to you I hastened upstairs to my closet, and found the billet to contain, in a hand that seemed disguised and bad spelling, the following words. Twenty contrivances have been thought of to let you know your danger, but all have proved in vain. Your friends hope it is not yet too late to give you this caution, if it reaches your hands. The squire is absolutely determined to ruin you, and, because he despairs of any other way, he will pretend a great love and kindness to you, and that he will marry you. You may expect a parson for this purpose in a few days, but it is a sly artful fellow of a broken attorney that he has hired to personate a minister. The man has a broad face, pitted much with the smallpox, and is a very great companion. So take care of yourself. Doubt not this advice. Perhaps you'll have had but too much reason already to confirm you in the truth of it. From your zealous well-wisher, Somebody now my dear father and mother what shall we say of this truly diabolical master oh how shall i find words to paint my griefs and his deceit i have as good as confessed i love him but indeed it was on supposing him good this however has given him too much advantage but now i will break this wicked forward heart of mine if it will not be taught to hate him oh what a black dismal heart he must have so here is a plot to ruin me and by my own consent too no wonder he did not improve his wicked opportunities which i thought owing to remorse for his sin and compassion for me when he had such a project as this in reserve here should i have been deluded with hopes of a happiness that my highest ambition could have aspired to but how dreadful must have been my lot when i had found myself an undone creature and a guilty harlot instead of a lawful wife oh this is indeed too much too much for your poor pamela to support this is the worst, as I had hoped all the worst was over, and that I had the pleasure of beholding a reclaimed man, and not an abandoned libertine. What now must your poor daughter do? Now all her hopes are dashed, and if this fails him, then comes, to be sure, my forced disgrace, for this shows he will never leave till he has ruined me. Oh, the wretched, wretched Pamela! Saturday noon, one o'clock. My master has come home, and, to be sure, has been where he said— so once he has told truth, and this matter seems to be gone off without a plot. No doubt he depends upon his sham wicked marriage. He has brought a gentleman with him to dinner, and so I have not seen him yet. Two o'clock. I am very sorrowful, and still have greater reason, for, just now, as I was in my closet, opening the parcel I had hid under the rose-bush, to see if it was damaged by lying so long, Mrs. Jukes came upon me by surprise, and laid her hands upon it, for she had been looking through the keyhole, it seems. I know not what I shall do, for now he will see all my private thoughts of him, and all my secrets, as I may say. What a careless creature I am! To be sure I deserve to be punished. 
You know I had the good luck, by Mr. Williams' means, to send you all my papers down to Sunday night, the seventeenth day of my imprisonment. But now these papers contain all my matters from that time, to Wednesday the twenty-seventh day of my distress, and which, as you may now, perhaps, never see, I will briefly mention the contents to you. In these papers, then, are included an account of Mrs. Jukes's arts to draw me in to approve of Mr. Williams's proposal for marriage, and my refusing to do so, and desiring you not to encourage his suit to me, Mr. Williams's being wickedly robbed, and a visit of hers to him, whereby she discovered all his secrets, how I was inclined to get off while she was gone, but was ridiculously prevented by my foolish fears, etc., my having the key of the back door, Mrs. Jukes's writing to my master all the secrets she had discovered of Mr. Williams, and her behaviour to me and him upon it, continuance of my correspondence with Mr. Williams by the tiles, begun in the parcel you had, my reproaches to him for his revealing himself to Mrs. Jukes, and his letter to me in answer, threatening to expose my master if he deceived him, mentioning in it John Arnold's correspondence with him, and a letter which John sent, and was intercepted, as it seems, of the correspondence being carried on by a friend of his at Gainsborough, of the horse he was to provide for me, and one for himself, of what Mr. Williams had owned to Mrs. Jukes, and of my discouraging his proposals. Then it contained a pressing letter of mine to him, urging my escape before my master came, with his half-angry answer to me. Your good letter to me, my dear father, sent to me by Mr. Williams's conveyance, in which you would have me encourage Mr. Williams, but leave it to me, and in which, fortunately enough, you take notice of my being uninclined to marry, my earnest desire to be with you, the substance of my answer to Mr. Williams, expressing more patience, etc., a dreadful letter of my master to Mrs. Jukes, which by mistake was directed to me, and one to me directed by like mistake to her, and very free reflections of mine upon both the concern i express for mr williams being taken in deceived and ruined an account of mrs jukes's glorying in her wicked fidelity a sad description i gave of monsieur colbrand a person he sent down to assist mrs jukes in watching me how mr williams was arrested and thrown into gaol and the concern i expressed upon it and my free reflections upon my master for it a projected contrivance of mine to get away out of the window and by the back door and throwing my petticoat and handkerchief into the pond to amuse them while I got off, an attempt that had like to have ended very dreadfully for me, my further concern for Mr. Williams's ruin on my account, and lastly, my overhearing Mrs. Jukes brag of her contrivance to rob Mr. Williams, in order to get at my papers, which, however, he preserved and sent safe to you. These, down to the execution of my unfortunate plot to escape, are, to the best of my remembrance, the contents of the papers, which this merciless woman seized, for, how badly I came off, and what followed I still have safe, as I hope, sewed in my undercoat about my hips. In vain were all my prayers and tears to her, to get her not to show them to my master, for, she said, it had now come out why I affected to be so much alone, and why I was always writing, and she thought herself happy, she said, she had found these, for often and often had she searched every place she could think of for writings to no purpose before, and she hoped she said there was nothing in them by what anybody might see for said she you know you are all innocence insolent creature said i i am sure you are all guilt and so you must do your worst for now i can't help myself and i see there is no mercy to be expected from you just now my master being come up she went to him upon the stairs and gave him my papers there sir said she you always said mrs pamela was a great writer but i never could get at anything of hers before 
he took them and without coming to me went downstairs to the parlour again and what with the gipsy affair and what with this i could not think of going down to dinner and she told him that too and so i suppose i shall have him upstairs as soon as his company is gone saturday six o'clock my master came up and in a pleasanter manner than i expected said so pamela we have seized it seems your treasonable papers treasonable said i very sullenly ay said he i suppose so for you are a great plotter but i have not read them yet then sir said i very gravely it will be truly honourable in you not to read them but to give them to me again to whom says he are they written to my father sir but i suppose you see to whom indeed returned he i have not read three lines yet then pray sir don't read them but give them to me again that i will not said he till i have read them sir said i you served me not well in the letters i used to write formerly i think it was not worthy your character to contrive to get them in your hands by that false john arnold for should such a gentleman as you mind what your poor servant writes yes said he by all means mind what such a servant as my pamela writes your pamela thought i then the sham marriage came into my head and indeed it has not been out of it since the gipsy affair but said he have you anything in these papers you would not have me see to be sure sir said i there is for what one writes to one's father and mother is not for everybody to see nor said he am i everybody those letters added he that i did see by john's means were not to your disadvantage i'll assure you for they gave me a very high opinion of your wit and innocence and if i had not loved you do you think i would have troubled myself about your letters alas sir said i great pride to me that for they gave to you such an opinion of my innocence that you was resolved to ruin me and what advantage have they brought me who have made me a prisoner and used as i have been between you and your housekeeper why pamela said he a little seriously why this behaviour for my goodness to you in the garden this is not of a piece with your conduct and softness there that quite charmed me in your favour and you must not give me cause to think that you will be the more insolent as you find me kinder ah sir said i you know best your own heart and designs but i fear i was too open-hearted then and that you still keep your resolution to undo me and have only changed the form of your proceedings when i tell you once again said he a little sternly that you cannot oblige me more than by placing some confidence in me i will let you know that these foolish and perverse doubts are the worst things you can be guilty of but said he i shall possibly account for the cause of them in these papers of yours for i doubt not you have been sincere to your father and mother though you begin to make me suspect you for i tell you perverse girl that it is impossible you should be thus cold and insensible after what has passed in the garden if you were not prepossessed in some other person's favour and let me add that if i find it so it shall be attended with such effects as will make every vein in your heart bleed he was going away in wrath and i said one word good sir one word before you read them since you will read them pray make allowances for all the harsh reflections that you will find in them on your own conduct to me and remember only that they were not written for your sight and were penned by a poor creature hardly used and who was in constant apprehension of receiving from you the worst treatment that you could inflict upon her if that be all said he and there be nothing of another nature that i cannot forgive you have no cause for uneasiness for i had as many instances of your saucy reflections upon me in your former letters as there were mines and yet you see i have never upbraided you on that score though perhaps i wish you had been more sparing of your epithets and your freedoms of that sort well sir said i since you wills you must read them 
and I think I have no reason to be afraid of being found insincere, or having, in any respect, told you a falsehood, because, though I don't remember all I wrote, yet I know I wrote my heart, and that is not deceitful. And remember, sir, another thing, that I always declared I thought myself right to endeavour to make my escape from this forced and illegal restraint, and so you must not be angry that I would have done so, if I could." i'll judge you never fear said he as favourably as you deserve for you have too powerful a pleader within me and so went downstairs about nine o'clock he sent for me down into the parlour i went a little fearfully and he held the paper in his hand and said now pamela you come upon your trial said i i hope i have a just judge to hear my cause ay said he and you may hope for a merciful one too or else i know not what will become of you i expect continued he, that you will answer me directly and plainly to every question I shall ask you. In the first place, here are several love-letters between you and Williams. Love-letters, sir, said I. Well, call them what you will, said he. I don't entirely like them, I'll assure you, with all the allowances you desired me to make for you. Do you find, sir, said I, that I encourage his proposal, or do you not? Why, said he, you discourage his address and appearance, but no otherwise than all your cunning sects do to ours to make us more eager in pursuing you. Well, sir, said I, that is your comment, but it does not appear so in the text. Smartly said, says he, where a devil gottest thou at these years all this knowledge? And then thou hast a memory, as I see by your papers, that nothing escapes. Alas, sir, said I, what poor abilities I have serve only to make me more miserable. I have no pleasure in my memory, which impresses things upon me that I could be glad never were, or everlastingly to forget. Well, said he, so much for that. But where are the accounts, since you have kept so exact a journal of all that has befallen you, previous to these here in my hand? My father has them, sir, said I. By whose means, said he? By Mr. Williams's, said I. Well answered, said he. But cannot you contrive to get me a sight of them? That would be pretty, said I. I wish I could have contrived to have kept those you have from your sight. Said he, I must see them, Pamela, or I shall never be easy, for I must know how this correspondence between you and Williams began, and if I can see them it shall be better for you if they answer what these give me hope they will. I can tell you, sir, very faithfully, said I, what the beginning was, for I was bold enough to be the beginner. That won't do, said he, for though this may appear a punctilio to you, to me it is of high importance. Sir, said I, if you please to let me go to my father, I will send them to you by any messenger you shall send for them. Will you so? But I dare say, if you will write for them, they will send them to you, without the trouble of such a journey to yourself, and I beg you will. I think, sir, said I, as you have seen all my former letters through John's baseness, and now these through your faithful housekeeper's officious watchfulness, you might see all the rest. But I hope you will not desire it, till I can see how much my pleasing you in this particular will be of use to myself. You must trust to my honour for that. But tell me, Pamela, said the sly gentleman, since I have seen these, would you have voluntarily shown me these, had they been in your possession? I was not aware of this inference, and said, Yes, truly, sir, I think I should, if you commanded it. Well, then, Pamela, said he, as I am sure you have found means to continue your journal, I desire, till the former part can come, that you will show me the succeeding. Oh, sir, sir, said I, have you caught me so? But indeed you must excuse me there. Why, said he, tell me truly, have you not continued your account till now? Don't ask me, sir, said I, but I insist upon your answer, replied he. Why then, sir, I will not tell an untruth I have. That's my good girl, said he, I love sincerity at my heart. In another, sir, I said, I presume you mean. 
well said he i'll allow you to be a little witty upon me because it is in you and you cannot help it but you will greatly oblige me to show me voluntarily what you have written i long to see the particulars of your plot and your disappointment where your papers leave off for you have so beautiful a manner that it is partly that and partly my love for you that has made me desirous of reading all you write though a great deal of it is against myself for which you must expect to suffer a little and as i have furnished you with the subject i have a title to see the fruits of your pen besides said he there is such a pretty air of romance as you relate them in your plots and my plots that i shall be better directed in what manner to wind up the catastrophe of the pretty novel if i was your equal sir said i i should say this is a very provoking way of jeering at the misfortunes you have brought upon me oh said he the liberties you have taken with my character in your letters sets us upon a par at least in that respect sir i could not have taken those liberties if you had not given me the cause and the cause sir you know is before the effect true pamela said he you chop logic very prettily what the deuce do we men go to school for if our wits were equal to women's we might spare much time and pain in our education for nature teaches your sex what in a long course of labour and study ours can hardly attain to but indeed every lady is not a pamela you delight to banter your poor servant said i nay continued he i believe i must assume to myself half the merit of your wit too for the innocent exercises you have had for it from me have certainly sharpened your invention sir said i could i have been without those innocent exercises as you are pleased to call them i should have been glad to have been as dull as a beetle but then pamela said he i should not have loved you so well but then sir i should have been safe easy and happy i maybe so and maybe not and the wife too of some clouderly ploughboy but then sir i should have been content and innocent and that's better than being a princess and not so and maybe not said he for if you had had that pretty face some of us keen fox-hunters should have found you out and in spite of your romantic notions which then too perhaps would not have had so strong a place in your mind might have been more happy with the ploughman's wife than i have been with my mother's pamela i hope sir said i god would have given me more grace well but resumed he as to these writings of yours that follow your fine plot i must see them indeed sir you must not if i can help it nothing said he pleases me better than that in all your arts shifts and stratagems you have had a great regard to truth and have in all your little pieces of deceit told very few wilful fibs now i expect you'll continue with this laudable rule in your conversation with me let me know then where you have found supplies of pen ink and paper when mrs jukes was so vigilant and gave you but two sheets at a time tell me truth why sir little did i think i should have such occasion for them but when i went away from your house i begged some of each of good mr longman who gave me plenty yes yes said he it must be good mr longman all of your confederates are good every one of them but such of my servants as have done their duty and obeyed my orders are painted out by you as black as devils nay so am i too for that matter sir said i i hope you won't be angry but saving yourself do you think they are painted worse than they deserve or worse than the parts they acted required you say saving myself pamela but is not that saying a mere compliment to me because i am present and you are in my hands tell me truly good sir excuse me but i fancy i might ask you why you should think it so if there was not a little bit of conscience that told you there was but too much reason for it he kissed me and said i must either do thus or be angry with you for you are very saucy pamela but with your bewitching chit-chat and pretty impertinence i will not lose my question where did you hide your papers pen and ink some sir in one place some in another that i might have some left if others should be found 
that's a good girl said he i love you for your sweet veracity now tell me where it is you hide your written papers your saucy journal i must beg your excuse for that sir said i but indeed answered he you will not have it for i will know and i will see them this is very hard sir said i but i must say you shall not if i can help it we were standing most of this time but he then sat down and took me by both my hands and said well said my pretty pamela if you can help it but i will not let you help it tell me are they in your pocket no sir said i my heart up at my mouth said he i know you won't tell a downright fib for the world but for equivocation no jesuit ever went beyond you answer me then are they in neither of your pockets no sir said i are they not said he about your stays no sir replied i but pray no more questions for ask me ever so much i will not tell you oh said he i have a way for that i can do as they do abroad when the criminals won't confess torture them till they do but pray sir said i is this fair just or honest i am no criminal and i won't confess oh my girl said he many an innocent person has been put to the torture but let me know where they are and you shall escape the question as they call it abroad sir said i the torture is not used in england and i hope you won't bring it up admirably said said the naughty gentleman but i can tell you of as good a punishment if a criminal won't plead with us here in england we press him to death or till he does plead and so now pamela that is a punishment that shall certainly be yours if you won't tell without tears stood in my eyes and i said this sir is very cruel and barbarous no matter said he it is but like your lucifer you know in my shape and after i have done so many heinous things by you as you think you have no great reason to judge so hardly of this or at least it is but a piece with the rest but sir said i dreadfully afraid he had some notion they were about me if you will be obeyed in this unreasonable manner though it is sad tyranny to be sure let me go up to them and read them over again and you shall see so far as to the end of the sad story that follows those you have i'll see them all said he down to this time if you have written so far or at least till within this week then let me go up to them said i and see what i have written and to what day to show them to you for you won't desire to see everything but i will replied he but say pamela tell me the truth are they above i was much affrighted he saw my confusion tell me truth said he why sir answered i i have sometimes hid them under the dry mould in the garden sometimes in one place sometimes in another and those you have in your hand were several days under a rose-bush in the garden artful slut said he what's this to my question are they not about you if said i i must pluck them out of my hiding-place behind the wainscot won't you see me still more and more artful said he is this an answer to my question i have searched every place above and in your closet for them and cannot find them so i will know where they are now said he it is my opinion that they are about you and i never undressed a girl in my life but i will now begin to strip my pretty pamela and i hope i shall not go far before i find them i fell a-crying and said i will not be used in this manner pray sir said i for he began to unpin my handkerchief consider pray sir do and pray said he do you consider for i will see these papers but maybe said he they are tied about your knees with your garters and stooped was anything so vile and so wicked i fell on my knees and said what can i do what can i do if you'll let me go up i'll fetch them to you will you said he on your honour let me see them uncurtailed and not offer to make them away no not a single paper i will sir on your honour yes sir and so he let me go upstairs crying sadly for vexation to be so used surely nobody was ever so served as i am i went to my closet and there i sat me down 
and could not bear the thought of giving up my papers besides i must all undress me in a manner to untack them so i writ thus sir to expostulate with such an arbitrary gentleman i know will signify nothing and most hardly do you use the power you so wickedly have got over me i have heart enough sir to do a deed that would make you regret using me thus and i can hardly bear it and what i am further to undergo but a superior consideration withholds me thank god it does i will however keep my word if you insist upon it when you have read this but sir let me beg of you to give me time till to-morrow morning that i may just run them over and see what i put into your hands against me and i will then give my papers to you without the least alteration or adding or diminishing but i should beg still to be excused if you please but if not spare them to me but till to-morrow morning and this so hardly am i used shall be thought of a favour which i shall be very thankful for i guessed it would not be long before i heard from him and he accordingly sent up mrs jukes for what i had promised so i gave her this note to carry to him and he sent word that i must keep my promise and he would give me till morning but that i must bring them to him without his asking again so i took off my undercoat and with great trouble of mind unsued them from it and there is a vast quantity of it i will just slightly touch upon the subjects because i may not perhaps get them again for you to see they began with an account of my attempting to get away out of the window first and then throwing my petticoat and handkerchief into the pond how sadly i was disappointed the lock of the back door being changed how in trying to climb over the door i tumbled down and was piteously bruised the bricks giving way and tumbling upon me how finding i could not get off and dreading the hard usage i should receive i was so wicked as to think of throwing myself into the water my sad reflections upon this matter how mrs jukes used me upon this occasion when she found me how my master had liked to have been drowned in hunting and my concern for his danger notwithstanding his usage of me mrs jukes wicked reports to frighten me that i was to be married to the ugly swiss who was to sell me on the wedding-day to my master her vile way of talking to me like a london prostitute my apprehensions of seeing preparations made for my master's coming her causeless fears that i was trying to get away again when i had no thoughts of it and my bad usage upon it my master's dreadful arrival and his hard very hard treatment of me and mrs jukes insulting of me his jealousy of mr williams and me how mrs jukes vilely instigated him to wickedness and down to there i put into one parcel hoping that would content him but for fear it should not i put into another parcel the following viz a copy of his proposals to me of a great parcel of gold and fine clothes and rings and an estate of i can't tell what a year and fifty pounds a year for the life of both of you my dear parents to be his mistress with an insinuation that maybe he would marry me at the year's end all sadly vile with threatenings if i did not comply that he would ruin me without allowing me anything a copy of my answer refusing all with just abhorrence but begging at last his goodness towards me and mercy on me in the most moving manner i could think of an account of his angry behaviour and mrs jukes wicked advice hereupon his trying to get me to his chamber and my refusal to go a deal of stuff and chit-chat between me and the odious mrs jukes in which she was very wicked and very insulting two notes i wrote as if to be carried to church to pray for his reclaiming and my safety which mrs jukes seized and officiously showed him a confession of mine that notwithstanding his bad usage i could not hate him my concern for mr williams a horrid contrivance of my master's to ruin me being in my room disguised in the clothes of the maid who lay with me and mrs jukes how narrowly i escaped it makes my heart ache to think of it still by falling into fits mrs jukes detestable part in this sad affair 
how he seemed moved at my danger and forbore his abominable designs and assured me he had offered no indecency how ill i was for a day or two after and how kind he seemed how he made me forgive mrs jukes how after this and great kindness pretended he made rude offers to me in the garden which i escaped how i resented them then i had written how kindly he behaved himself to me and how he praised me and gave me great hopes of his being good at last of the too tender impression this made upon me and how i began to be afraid of my own weakness and consideration for him though he had used me so ill how sadly jealous he was of mr williams and how i as justly could cleared myself as to his doubts on that score how just when he raised me up to the highest hope of his goodness he dashed me sadly again and went off more coldly my free reflections upon this trying occasion this brought matters down from thursday the twentieth day of my imprisonment to wednesday the forty-first and here i was resolved to end let what would come for only thursday friday and saturday remained to give an account of and thursday he set out to a ball at stanford and friday was the gypsy story and this is saturday his return from stanford and truly i shall have but little heart to write if he is to see all so these two parcels of papers i have got ready for him against to-morrow morning to be sure i have always used him very freely in my writings and showed him no mercy but yet he must thank himself for it for i have only writ truth and i wish he had deserved a better character at my hands as well as for his own sake as mine so though i don't know whether ever you'll see what i write i must say that i will go to bed with remembering you in my prayers as i always do and as i know you do me and so my dear parents good night End of section 16